You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Central Israel here with Joel Elkanian and Dennis Dick. Uh, we're going through a few different things happening today, not the least of which is a quiet market. Not a lot going on uh, in this market. We have some earnings on our radar, but... Other than that, it's really, really quiet out there. So we'll just kind of run through the movers from yesterday, movers from this morning. We'll take questions from our chat as well. Uh, also, new thing we're going to start trying starting today. Uh, I've set up a Google Voice number. And, of course, we have the chats uh, going throughout the show if you want to ask us questions there. But if you want to ask us questions, if you want to call us and actually say your question, you can do that too. Give us a call at 734-494-0246. That's a Google Voice number. You can leave a voicemail, uh, say your name so we know who you're talking to. Uh, leave us a voicemail and we can play your voicemail on the air and address your question and talk about it that way. So if you're in our chat, that's great. It's a real-time uh, you know, Q&A platform right there. But if you want to call us up and leave us a voicemail anytime, you can also do that. So again, 734 734- Four nine four zero two four six. Leave us your name, ask a question, and uh, maybe we'll play it on the show and talk about it uh, there. Uh, so long show today. We're doing the bonus hour with Sean Udall. So we got a few guests. The first guest will be at eight thirty-five. That'll be Gil Morales. He's the author of the Gilmo Report and the managing director of Mocha Investors. And then we'll bring Sean on at nine a.m. And then at nine fifteen. We'll be joined by Robin Deshays. She is the president and chief strategy officer at Miltonian Capital Management, and she will talk to us about this news in PG&E. Uh, we talked about this a few days ago. They, they came to the settlement agreement last Friday, uh, and she'll talk to us through what that means going forward for, uh, for the shareholders, for the company, uh, for the victims, all that stuff. That'll be at 9.15. So a lot to get to today. Uh, Joel, what's the word here in the overnight session? Uh, first of all, Spencer, I think it's 9.45 I have on the calendar. Could you double check with her? 
during the show here. I thought I, I gave her the option because uh, Robin's out on the West Coast, and I think I said 9.15 or 9.45. Uh, I'll check with her then. Have okay, thank you. Uh, quiet day, but we're in the green here. Nice range overnight. I uh, had a little dip at 6 o'clock. Caught support kind of where you did uh, near the end of the session yesterday. That's 31.29.50. That's your just below your daily pivot. There's the gateway to any downside in the market today. Below that, uh, Thursdays and Fridays low. 17 even is your huge number on the downside. Parallels there. On the upside, we took a peek at Tuesday's high, 31.43. We got through it by two ticks. It was a real quick spike around 3.30 in the morning. I wasn't up for it, and then we pulled back. But above 31.43, folks, you got to look for those highs for Friday and Monday, 31.49.50 and then 31.51. Big levels on the upside. Of course, that all-time high, 31.58. Uh, crude on the day of the Saudi Aramco IPO, uh, which according to Spinner uh, has or, has surpassed Microsoft in and Apple in market cap here. But crude down 29 cents at the top of the range. 58.95 is your last print high of 59.17. I guess 60 uh, 60 dollars even that would be a big level, big psychological level. Gold. That's positive by 220 of 1470.30. Silver going the opposite way, down just a little less than a petty at 16.89.5. And I don't know. I'm ready to give up giving Bitcoin levels again here since it's not moving. The futures are up $55 at 7,270. I know Triple D was getting a late start this morning with. Yeah, he, I was going to say he's with, he's with us. Oh, you are here. Okay. Yeah, I'm just waiting for uh, you to start my video. <laughs> okay. Mr. Israel says, oh, yes, now he says. I, I, I didn't realize you were here with us, Dennis. I, I Spencer mean, I knew, has all the power. I knew I you were here. Say, I say start the video, and it says you're not allowed to start the video. Because Spencer it, Israel has the power. You know what, Dennis? You got sick kids. I got a sick dog. What's wrong with your dog? I don't know. I had to take her out like three times in the middle of the night last night. And it was pretty. What's she doing? Just had to go to the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Perry's never done that before. I'm a little bit worried, but uh, I don't know. Might have to take her to the vet today. But sick kid, there's nothing worse than a sick dog. You you told me that I think about that all the time. You said there's nothing worse than having a sick kid. And you know what? And last night, so I took both kids to the doctor yesterday. My daughter's doing well. She's kind of beating the fever. The boys been spiking a fever for five days. Last night, we were spiking up to like 41 degrees, which is just scary. So you give them the Advil, and it comes back down. 41 Canadian, I don't know. It's, it's like no, I know. I was, I was actually going to ask. It's like, up, it's like as high as you're supposed to possibly go before you call the ambulance. So really scary. I give them the Advil, comes back down. Three hours later, it just spikes back up. So we're just managing it. I did take him to the doctor yesterday. He doesn't have anything like his lungs were good. His ears were good. His mouth is good. He says it's just viral. It's got to run its course. But, man, wicked, wicked fever with it, though. Yeah. So Not, hoping, no, you know, he gets better here today. Nothing worse than a sick kid. It's the worst. Uh, that's why kids. if I look exhausted, I am up all night, you know, off and on with the kid with the, with the flu bug here going around. So, yeah, nothing worse, Joel. Uh, but you had time to get a haircut. I did yesterday. Look at that. You noticed. Thanks for noticing. Because everybody made fun of my hair for so much, I had to go and actually get a haircut. I was getting self-conscious about it. I was like, I was going to fly away on these wings that I had, these sideburn wings that were going. 
Yeah, I was just going to fly away one day. So anyway, so <laughs> I'm good now. The hair is good. You know what? I mean, obviously, we're talking about all these things because the market is extremely quiet here on uh, Fed Decision Day. It, it is. And the market has been quiet here for um, for most of the overnight session. I mean, we were down slightly. Now we're starting to crawl up there. So is this the calm before the storm? Because obviously we're going to get some fireworks here with the Fed. What do you think they're doing? What's your opinion? Well, we should throw it to Spencer. What is the consensus say that they're doing here today? Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think anybody thinks they're lowering rates. No, no. Uh, it's all about say, I, wording. I don't know where you get, obviously, we're going to get fireworks from because I, I would say quite the opposite. I don't think we'll get anything. You don't think we're going to get anything? You think it's going to be like, wah, wah. there's no, going to be no movement it, off it at a, all? There is a 97.8% chance that rates remain unchanged so or stay unchanged. So, no, I mean, I think, I think, I don't so know. This, uh, I mean, this is already determined. I, we talked about this after the jobs number on Friday. I mean, rates are it's rates not. Are not uh, yeah, yeah, but it's not about what they do with the rates here. Right, it's going to be true. about the language going forward. What are they seeing? You know, are they seeing the potential that, hey, we're going to need to cut rates again? If so, the banks will get hit. If they see, you know, no, we're like going into like this neutral stance where we think we're good. Then obviously, you know, you can look at the TLT and the banks, you know, don't want to hear anything that, you know, the rates are going to go lower. So, you know, keep an eye. And if, you know, if you're getting any indications from what the market has done coming into this, I mean, the banks have held up very well. They're near their highs. JP Morgan had got a downgrade yesterday, shrugged it off and they bought it all day. It opened right at the low on the downgrade and ran, you know, over a dollar and a half back to close green. So, the money managers are saying that, you know, the rates aren't going up anytime soon. And the money managers are also saying that they're not going to all of a sudden, you know, get in the language that they're, they're going to raise rates or they're going to lower rates anytime soon. Correct. Because, because the banks are performing very, very well. And the TLT has been weak too. So, you know, if we just look at the TLT chart for the last 90 days, same story. We've been kind of going from the upper end of the chart to the lower end. They're on the lower right from the upper. I'm tired here, but. You can see we're definitely in a downtrend in the last three months. So that's saying the same thing too. So as long as the market kind of holds to, you know, what the market, obviously what the Fed holds to what the market is thinking, then, you know, maybe we won't get the fireworks. If for whatever reason they hint that rates could go lower again, you will see some fireworks. So, or if they go the other way, and you know, I think they're going to be neutral stance and that's where you're not going to see any fireworks at all. Yeah, got, uh, Spinner mentioned uh, Gordon Gunlock's going to be on. He's been saying rates have been going up, are going up for like I don't know. He's been calling for the end of the world for I don't know how long. So I don't know how much uh, stock I put in his opinion. The Fed's uh, so spooked to raise rates for yeah, two reasons. One rates. is they saw what happened last December when they started raising rates. The market collapsed. Two. They're scared for their jobs because Trump <laughs> is breathing down their throats saying you got to keep the rates low. So that's why I don't think, you know, there's any chance they're going to go all of a sudden hawkish here. And we're going to start to, you know, look at, hey, we might need to raise rates here. I do not think that is the case. I worry that their language could be too dovish. So and, you know, it's, that could actually impact the banks. But in any regard, the Fed is on the market side. We saw that, you know, that they sure. you know, last December, we've seen it throughout this year that the Fed is going to defend the market no matter what. 
And that's why it's hard to really get bearish. I mean, you see a lot of people, even people coming on this show, preaching the end of the world or preaching, you know, that we're eventually collapsing here. Well, sure, eventually we come back down. Eventually we'll have a stock market correction. Eventually we'll be back into a bear market. But you could have been saying this for the last, you know, two, three, four, five years and missed out on a lot of gains. That's why I stay almost fully invested because I don't see anything, any reason you know, trading's a different aspect, but if you're a long-term investor, you know, should you be jumping out here because we're at, you know, 3,000 3, 3, on the S&P or 3,100, and we've had a big run? Uh, if you look at the forward PE, and you're at 19. I mean, it, it, it's to the upper end of the range, but it's not crazy. It's not like we're valuations just so extreme that there's not room to the upside. I think quite the contrary. If rates are staying low, where is money going to go? Uh, I agree. I agree on that. Uh, before we cover some of the after-hours stocks, uh, did you see any of the interday action? And we were asked about uh, Peloton. And uh, what, what did Mr. Left have to say about Peloton? He wasn't very kind to uh, Peloton shareholders yesterday. Yeah. Hadn't... Did he call out a treadmill with an iPad attached to it? No. <laughs> like, oh. I, have, I haven't been kind to them at all either. Been wrong. <laughs> I haven't uh, talked about Citron Research for a hot second on this show, but the headline for uh, him was investors peddling themselves into a frenzy. His 2020 price target is $5. 2020? That's what he said. That's aggressive. I will say. <laughs> that's aggressive, yeah. That's aggressive. I will say I've been bearish Peloton, and I've also said that I think the stock could be significantly lower in 2020. I was saying this when the stock was $27. It went to 21 and I looked like a genius. I didn't get off the bear train. And now it's up here at 35 and I look like an idiot. I will still say that this is a story stock right now. The story is not broken here yet. The story is still hot because you're in the season for the story to be hot. Think about it. You know, you see how many commercials on these things. There's going to be a lot of these things bought over the holiday season. You have New Year's coming. So, you know, where everybody's going to do their New Year's resolutions, is people going to buy these things? Joel's wife might buy one of these things. We did. We bought oh, you one. Did. You, already, you did buy it. You were, we're talking long. about it. Yeah, no, not, no position. Um, you did buy it. We did buy it. We did buy it over the weekend. So, so there you go. So there's going to be people who are coming in here and buying it. With that being said, I think, you know, the next spike up, if they have a good report, when do they do the report? Is it February? It's a ways, isn't it? They already reported this quarter. Yeah, right? they just reported, didn't they, Spencer? Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think it's like February. But I think those numbers could be good. They haven't even given a date yet, I don't think. I think they're going to have a really good season. I think that's going to be the selling opportunity. You know, when this thing has, you know, goes up and has a really good numbers, I think that's going to be it. I think that's going to be the top. So I'm saying, you know, from a seasonality perspective, Maybe look at this thing in February. I think you're way early. I think if you're shorting it now, I think you're early. Maybe I'm wrong. The valuation makes no sense. I agree with Citron. I don't know if I agree about a $5 price target, but I think it's significantly lower by the end of 2020. So, But I don't know where it's going to go to here yet. So I'm not coming in here and shorting ahead of the season because I think the numbers are going to be really good for this. I'm going to get excited to short this thing. Same thing goes with Roku. Same thing goes with Roku. So Roku, I think, is going to have a great season, too. But Roku kind of solves, in my opinion, still just a temporary problem. I know you can say that they're going to have the technology into the smart TVs, but everybody's going out there and buying a Roku right now, or people like me who don't have a smart TV yet and don't have the capabilities, like, oh, one of my TVs isn't smart. And they're going out there and buying the stick to solve the problem so they can stream. 
once all the smart TVs, once every TV has smart capabilities, is there any need for a Roku stick? Not really. So again, solves a temporary problem. But again, story is still hot right now. So I think you're early if you're shorting these things, but I'm not putting them on my long-term investment portfolio and thinking Roku's going to $500 or thinking Peloton's going to $100. Quite the contrary, I think these stocks are going lower by the end of 2020. But I think you're too early yet. That's my opinion. A uh, couple things here. Uh, people are saying, are you going to use it? And I, I plan on using it. I do other forms of uh, exercise. I swim Joel's a couple times. a swimmer, th- though. I, I swim a couple times a week. I like to, you know, my buddy owns a gym. I go there a couple times a week. And, you know, if anything from my swimming, I need to improve my, my kick and my lower body. And I'll get on that thing and pedal away a couple times a week. I mean, I'm, it's not going to be my sole form of working out. But I'm definitely going to use it. And, of course, when I got to, you know, hang some laundry on there, too, we'll find a place to do that. Uh, And someone also in the chat made a comment that they, you know, uh, people made fun of Planet Fitness. And uh, I tell you, you couldn't have gone wrong buying that stock off its IPO. That stock's been a hell of a performer. Uh, For me, it's just. Well, who made fun of Planet Fitness? I don't get that. I I thought someone did. I didn't. I tell you, it wasn't me. I mean, they come out with a $10 gym membership. Yeah, but they're horrible. But it's a terrible gym. You ever been to one? They stink. I just tell you, ten buck gym membership. That sounds like they're trying to blow and trying to be the the game changer there, and they are. So, um, I I, I haven't looked and and really dove into the financials on this thing or anything, but um, I don't see it as just you know a hot like all of a sudden you know this is just a hot thing for the season. This is the the Fitbit of the season. I see Planet Fitness as, you know, they're obviously figuring out how to, you know, do stuff at a lot cheaper than every other gym. So they're shaking up the whole industry. And I so, think this is different than GoPro. I think it's completely different play. Than- I think this is completely different than GoPro. GoPro was a camera on a stick, right? How is this not a treadmill with an iPad on it? This is the exact same thing as GoPro, in my opinion. No, 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 no. Exact. Go- no. How Check does out a GoPro- the GoPro no, chart. No, you're wrong, Dennis. How does a GoPro improve well, your health? I don't health? know if I'm wrong. I've been wrong because I was early in the trade. <laughs> how does a GoPro right improve your health? How, how, why, why? Like a, a go, it's nothing to do with it. It's just the fact that they think it's a novelty thing right now. Okay. I, I think I, that people are the more The subscription health model conscious. helps. Are people going to keep subscribing for these videos? Maybe. What's, what's the barriers to entry here? Nothing. That's never a good thing. I, I, my opinion here on Peloton is I think it could get real hot here in the next month still. So okay. I think Citron's way early. So I'm not on the full bear train here. I'm on the long-term bear train that I do believe that in the long run, this is a GoPro. But I don't think we've seen that run in Peloton. You know, I'm scared we haven't seen that big run yet, you know, where GoPro went from 35 bucks up to 90 and, you know, and, and when did it do this? It did it, you know, as it got into the season towards the end of the year. It did actually fall off. We look at 2014, it fell off before. But, you know, there was insider selling. There was a lot of other things happening there. But I don't see a lot of differences here between that and GoPro. So I'm, I'm not a long-term believer in Peloton. But I'm telling you, I'm not telling you to come out here and short it today. No, I know. I think there's I so many factors in the next two months working in its favor that I would be very okay. scared to short it. Those numbers might be exceptional come February. Because everybody like you, Joel, going out there and buying one right now. This is the season. It's perfect timing for this thing to have a great quarter. 
I think this is going to be their best quarter, though. And I think if you get a spike up in the February numbers on this, I think that's the selling opportunity. All right, so write down, this- put in a calendar note for February. If Peloton really rips, that's where I want to sell it. So put that calendar note in there, Spencer. That's what we're looking at. We're looking yeah. at this as a February short. We'll move on to some after-hours earnings next, but uh, Spinner's making a good point, and the biggest difference between Peloton and GoPro is it is a subscription model. Well, I just said that. Yep. I like the subscription model. And if you look at RH, we don't know what they sell at that place or what True. they're doing. There's a good but, point there. Yep. Because I don't understand RH either, and I'm dead wrong about those two. So I guess you can't mess with these subscription models. So there's a good point there. In any regard here, I think <laughs> Citron's way early. I think the thing could be, you know, it could go down to 40 or 50 bucks on those numbers. How's he I been doing The quarter lately? is going to be awesome. I think the Peloton quarter will be really good. Because I've seen the, the advertise It's advertised so much. How can they not be? I mean, I, it's, it's on my CNBC every 10 minutes. Every commercial is the Peloton commercial. They are just kill. Like, they're all over the marketing on this thing. So I can't see how – the place, I think, to buy it, honestly, right now. Even though I'm long-term bearish, I think the thing could be 45 or 50 bucks before it t- rolls over. So uh, I, I'm, I'm right now, as of today, on the bull trade. I want to be clear. I'm on the bull trade okay. on PTON for the next two months. So I think Citron's way too early. I'm not long it. I'm not short it. But, you know, as a paper trade here, I would be buying this pullback as, as a paper trade. You know, like I, I don't have the guts to borrow money in it because the valuation doesn't make any sense. And I don't know if there's another thing that can make the story break. But from a seasonality perspective, this looks like it could be a really good quarter for PTON. All right. People are asking about Tesla. I'm just going to see, you know, it's trading up in the pre-market. It's a beast. I'm 11 points from losing the lunch to Jeremy. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll say about this one is, is you're coming into a gap fill here at 354 when it, you know, when the truck, uh, the debut of the truck, I know that day, uh, 354 fills the gap. 354.83 was the close on the day before that. So a lot of people may be using that as a target. So there you go. We're trading up in the pre-market. Above that, it opens up to the recent high of the move. And, uh, boy, that 360 area looks huge. The actual high of the move was 361.20, flanked by a 360.84 and a 359.99. So there's there's a couple targets for you. Uh, Good momentum uh, going here in the pre-market. So we'll see. Needs to hold yesterday's high. Yesterday's high, 50.73, and the close of 48.84. That 360 is big. I mean, the ugly truck brought us down for a little bit, but it just keeps coming back. The shorts are so squeezed in this that they use the opportunity of the ugly truck sell-off of 30 points to just try to, you know, cover, you know, add other people speculating long on it again. And it looks like it wants to go right back up to 360. Long-term, this thing is still, you know, in impressive mode here right now. Um, again, I can't stomach the stock. I've had in my portfolio a couple times, and I just can't stomach it. You know, I'm like this, you know, closet bear or closet bull on Tesla. <laughs> I'm a closet bull. I just can't stomach the stock. So I've written puts on it a couple times because I can kind of stomach it that way. The non-bankruptcy trade I've talked about, but I mean, this stock is just impressive. And if I was long it, I'd be holding. Yeah, and it was in that trading range too, and that's why uh, I made that little bet with Jeremy. I thought, man, it was in like a three twenty-seven to three thirty-eight trading range, and I just thought, man, it had to give a little back and just using the levels but not using them correctly. I, I remember talking with Jeremy on the day that it hit twenty-seven fifty. Uh, that there was another low at twenty-seven ten. I said, okay, 
this is the time we're going to breach support. And instead of thinking of something going through support, it was support. And here you are, uh, 30 bucks higher here. So that's it on Tesla. Really not much else to say. Not much else news on it. You know what you did wrong easily on that trade. And that's why I was on the side of Jeremy when you made the bet. I didn't make a bet with you, but I was like, I think Jeremy's going to win this bet. And you, you know, it's just simply what you did wrong is he just fought the trap. I, I mean, it's to, so I hard to fight sometimes. the trap. What's that? that? Sometimes I do that. Sometimes you are a born contrarian, Joel. No, Joel I'm not. The, you I'm know not what? a born contrarian. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> no. Joel loves to fight the trend. No, no, no. You no. are when you see everybody. You're always looking for the high. So. Yep. You're yep. you're you're a, you you are a contrarian. You don't like to admit it, but total contrarian. So exactly. and you know what? This market rotates. In the last two years, you know, 2017, 2018, contrarian traders have done very well. People don't realize that, but look at the S and P. Look at what it's done since 20. Go out to the monthlies and look what it's done since 2017. We've been shopping around for a year and a half. We finally just Broke started out. breaking out here a month and a half ago. So, but if you look, contrarian, everybody who's fading all these little in, individual moves has been making a lot of money. So you've been on the right side as a contrarian for the last two years. I think the trend has started to resume here now, though, and I'm scared we got a lot more upside here. So I'm fully on board with a lot of, you know, these uptrends here now again. But, you know, that's all that was. It was a contrarian trade, and it's tough sometimes. It depends what type of market you're in. Sometimes contrarian strategies are working. Sometimes momentum strategies are working. I feel like we're now rotating more into a momentum market here where I'm buying pullbacks because I just think there's so many investor and money managers that are underinvested, and we've kind of broke out. So, Dennis, so Dennis did, did you see the stat that um, you know, the next two weeks, notwithstanding, this would be the first decade um, in 160 years in the U.S. without a recession? It's been an unbelievable market. I mean, you just look. And how do they define a recession? Like, what is that the economic defining of that? Like, and I know in a bear market, if you want to say that, it's a, it's a fall from 20% from the highs. But what is the actual definition of a recession U.S. economic terms. Do we know? Uh, two consecutive quarters of contracting GDP. Okay. So there you go. So two consecutive quarters of contracting GDP. Um, and we have not had that in a decade. And the market has followed suit. In the last 10 years, the market has pretty much been straight up. And we've had one little bear market in there, I believe. And it didn't even last long. Did we even get down 20% in December? Were we down 20%? We were close to it. I thing is it was like 19 and a half but we were right there have we even had an official bear market in the last 10, 10 years? yes i guess i think we have I 2011 think... maybe it was it got ugly there with the european stocks in 2011 but there has been few and far between even you know corrections here let alone bear markets we've had some years where we haven't even corrected you know not even had a 10 percent full off the highs uh early early 2016 wasn't great yeah uh, i was just gonna mention last that. last quarter last were we down 20 percent though i don't think so i i don't know i feel like we were down 10 maybe like i'm looking at the charts from the highs to the lows where we were at like 208 in the beginning of 2015 and we ended up going down to 179 so yeah that's not a 20 percent correction that's just over you know maybe 12 or 13 so I think I think in December I think we got really close because we would have went. Let's just take the highs, two ninety three down to two thirty three. So on spy I'm looking at two ninety three to two thirty three. So that's sixty points on two ninety three. That's darn close to twenty percent. Not quite there though, maybe either. I don't know if we've had we haven't. Had a, I don't know if we've had a bear market in the last seven or eight years. 
So you could say we're due, but you could have said that three years ago. I'm going to miss out on a lot of gains. Tough to fight the tape. All right. It is almost 8.30. Let's cover a stock here. Uh, <laughs> Besides uh, Peloton and Tesla? What are you talking yeah, about? Okay. So let's. we got a few earnings reports. Where should we start? I guess we'll start with some of the ones from this morning because they're the most recent. So price sure. recovery is still happening here. 8 a.m. this morning, we got American Eagle. Uh, report AEO reporting uh, Q3 EPS 48 cents is in line. Sales beat by a smidge, essentially in line at 1.06 billion dollars. Comps up five percent. They gave some Q4 EPS guidance that was light. However, the guidance range that they gave for the Q4 EPS was 34 to 36 cents. Estimate was all the way up at 46 cents. There's one number. I'm taking Joel's number. This absolutely needs to hold. It's back from September the fourth. 1366 absolutely positively needs to hold that level if it doesn't then the story is officially broken and let's see here i had had to i had to reboot my uh my trade station here for we got some support down there this whole 1366 i'll be there with you a second okay let me look here trading down to see if dennis came up with a good number here oh i did you taught me joel Okay. You yep. taught me all my technical analysis. Joel taught me my technicals. <laughs> 1352. There you go. And then that September 4th low. Uh, 1366. Move on. Next. Next. Whoa. Let's do okay. Children's Place. Stock's just been getting killed, killed, killed. Well, you know what? Getting killed again. Yep. This one's also <laughs> a DLC. Also from this morning. Q3 EPS, $3.03. That beat by a penny. Oh, Sales of five twenty four. Uh, 524 versus 534 million dollars so a slight miss on that print as far as guidance is concerned they gave some q4 eps guidance that was Bad. very light the range they gave a buck 48 to a buck 68 estimate was at two dollars and six cents also gave some sales guidance that again same story very light and um, that's the story here folks like totally that guidance is just awful 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 this is the definition of a value trap because this thing looks like it makes a ton of money. You know, the dividends starting to even get attractive at this level, 3.81%. But you luck, $160 at the you know, end of 2018, so just over a year ago when the stock, everybody had to be piling on the kids' clothes store. It put a double top up there, though, so your technicians would have been looking at the beginning of January when you were 160, 165. Failed to make a new high, and we've been straight down ever since you keep thinking well the bar is pretty low here for plce because you know here it has been drifting down for the last three months even into the report yeah i was up a little bit yesterday but really you look at this trend definitely down last three months definitely down last year while the bar was low but they found a way to get under that bar with this ridiculously poor guidance a dollar 42 dollar 68 versus 206 that's not good so eps not good at all sales it's that light too when the guidance is that weak, it doesn't matter what your chart looks like. You're going down. Uh, and you know who's been a uh, – or who was? We haven't um, had the person on a show on in a while. I knew I know what you were going to say. I knew what you were going to say. Uh, Rachel Shasha has been – right? Isn't that the one? Yep. She's been bullish this one. Yep. Bearish. Oh, bearish. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Rachel, payday. Payday for you, Rachil. Yeah, I don't know if she's down sixteen percent. Uh... Why not go down twenty? That's what I say. When they come down sixteen percent, there's usually a retailer that falls twenty. Why not? I think it goes down twenty today. Uh, let's opinion. see here. It is just because. 
just because because 56 47 your pre-market low that's uh you know we got a little bit away from it but under 56 47 i'll just try and find a monthly level for you and my next monthly level comes in at 53 39 so if you're looking for another target they're under the pre-market low 53.39. I don't know if they're going to be able to get it to that psychological $50 level, but holy mackerel, this thing's in trouble. Trouble. So uh, here's, uh, here's, I'm hands off until it stops going down. Give me like a few days where it starts to look like it could turn, but I don't want to be a hero and call the bottom on this one. Uh, we'll do one more before we grab our gas. Let's do uh, GameStop quietly up 100% in the past couple of months here since August, but. There go those gains this morning. Q3. Um, Fundamentals yeah. matter. Yeah. So this is from this report is from last night. Q3 adjusted EPS. They lost 49 cents per share. They were supposed to gain 11 cents last quarter. So not great. Sales 1.43 versus 1.62 billion dollars. They actually cut their guidance. They lowered their adjusted EPS guidance for the year. Wow. Do they? lower it by, it's incredible uh, they so the original fiscal year uh just dps guidance range was a buck 15 to a buck 30 that's for this fiscal year now it is 10 cents to 20 cents yeah um that's all you need to know we've been bearish this one for probably three years here on the show um and we were talking bearish about this at 30 at 25 at 20 and people were trying to tell me oh the dividend the value it's just the trends, consumer trends. They're not going in to buy video games. They can just download them. They're all, you know, just right there on their things. They're not going into a physical game. There's still some hardcore gamers that go into the physical games, but it's not enough. And so this is just, you know, the definition of uh, an old, you know, market where they never adjusted. And I just think eventually this thing just continues to go down, down, down until it can't go down anymore. And you know where that's at. Ah, boom, boom, boom. You got down to five bucks right on the nose. That's a big number. Big number. Yep. Yeah. For you short-term traders, five is big. It's where securities become marginal or not marginal in a lot of retail accounts. So five will be defended. Does it hold five? And and who's the big guy that's in that? Uh, the big that, boy. That would be Michael Burry. Well, I don't know if he's in it, but he, he did come out and say that the balance sheet wasn't all that bad. I don't actually know what his position is in GameStop, but this is the guy who got famous for being in the big short. And he came out and said, and he's like a fun. What man. about when they stop making money, which it kind of looks like they're saying they're going to do? How's the balance sheet look then? <laughs> question. Good question for hmm. me. Hmm. Okay. Well, dollar fifteen. We're making a dollar thirty. Ah, we're making money. We're not burning. Now we're making ten cents, twenty cents. What happens when we start losing money? How's that balance sheet look then? Because that's mm -hmm. where it seems to be going. All right, trend is not your friend in the fundamentals of this company. We'll say that. Let's bring on our first guest of the day, Gil Morales. He is the author of the Gilmo Report, also the managing director of Mocha Investors. Joins us periodically to give us his view on the markets. Gil, good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning. I can hear you loud and clear. Do you hear me? I do. How is how's this market been treating you? It's kind of quiet out there this morning. Well, I'm able to make money, but it's definitely a struggle. And I'm mostly trading on either an intraday or swing trading basis. I don't see anything that's trending outside of Apple that looks consistent or you know typical of something I would want to play. There's nothing really 
uh, what I would call like dynamic companies uh, with strong technical action. You've seen all these hot IPOs over the summer have all blown up. Some of them are trying to come back. But for the most part, it strikes me as uh, not a target-rich environment outside of some swing trading setups that I can find in, in amongst uh, or amid all the volatility. And that's pretty much it. You know, meanwhile, the indexes are making all-time highs. And the whole, to me, the whole picture seems inconsistent with that because uh, in past bull markets, um, we've seen, uh, you, you just see all this great leadership, you know, stocks breaking out, running up, and then, uh, and then moving higher. Now you're not really seeing that, so. Uh, Gil, before we get into some individual issues here, you're a veteran of the industry here. Uh, what do you make of the uh, Charles Schwab uh, buying TD Ameritrade? And, the future, I mean, they're both stocks. I haven't checked them as of late. Of course, TD Ameritrade got a nice pop on that. Schwab got a pop too, just kind of holding in here. Uh, give us your just your opinion on, on you know, short-term price action and then longer-term ramifications for the brokerage industry. Well, I think uh, I, I, I'm a TD Ameritrade uh, client, and I've been with Schwab also. So I like TD Ameritrade much better um, because of the platform, Thinkorswim. So I'm hoping if, you know, when they merge, they, they use that platform. Otherwise, I may be moving those accounts somewhere else. But in any case, technically, the stock I like uh, in all this, and it's one I tweeted about, is E-Trade because that one sold off, okay? And it broke below 42. This is about uh, two and a half weeks ago. And then it posted what I call a moving average undercut and rally type of move where a stock will undercut a, a major moving average, usually the 50-day, sometimes the 200-day. Uh, and then it will turn right back around and go back above that moving average. In this market, a down big on volume type of move like you saw the day before that. Um, are you guys showing that trade? Yeah, you can see. Is that a, a daily chart you're showing there? Yeah, this is a daily. Um, so you can see the breakdown <clears throat> below 42 a few days ago. Here, I'll, and, I'll pull, uh, pull up a five-day here. Here's a five-day. Yeah. And so the move below uh, the 50-day the line, which would have been on um, – let me check that date. That was on 11-21, so November 21st. The very next day, it popped back above the 50-day line. So I get long there. And now it's back up above the 200-day line and sitting tight along there uh, very nicely with the volume drying up. It looks like it wants to go higher. And I think the Schwab – a TD Ameritrade thing, that just shows you that the, the brokerage business is being squeezed. So the only way they can grow is by consolidating and buying each other up. And this has been going on for a little while, and it seems to be picking up uh, speed here with this latest merger. But I think eventually brokers are out of business. In other words, the, the concept of a retail broker is out of business. Uh, what do you need a retail broker for? They're basically overpaid middlemen. And I think the trend in general with the internet and business to business, consumer to business type of uh, connections, you don't need middlemen. And I think that's where the business is going. And that's why these, uh, all these companies, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Schwab, all went to zero commissions uh, because they're looking for a different uh, route in terms of their business model. So um, if you look at Schwab now and um, TD Ameritrade, which is, uh, what is TD AMTD? Yeah. Correct. Yes, Schwab, I like the, the look there is nice and tight on both of these. So they're going tight sideways, which tells you that uh, the market likes the merger. And it looks like once they do combine, it could move higher. But that's going to also depend on where interest rates go in the market, I think, uh, in the short to intermediate term. But technically, those both look pretty good. 
after they both announced that they're going to uh, be, or actually Schwab is buying up Ameritrade, right? Is that, that correct? correct? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, that looks good. Technically that looks good, but I think the, the sleeper here has been um, E-Trade. So okay. you see that, we see what I'm talking about and, they, and it's actually doing uh, some, you know, got some tight action here along the 200 day line. So it almost looks viable. I might add to that here and then use uh, the 200 day line as a stop for that portion of the position. But so far, that trade's been working, you know. But that's the sort of stuff you get in this market, and uh, you got to take advantage of opportunistic movements. So if you get big drops, sometimes you're going to get a chance to come in long. If you get these big spikes to the upside, like look at MongoDB, if I'm pronouncing that right. You guys know how you pronounce that? Is that right, MongoDB? As far as I know, that's right. <laughs> okay, it's not. It's not MonGod. <laughs> no. Anyways, look at this one. It opens up yesterday. Okay, they, re they report our, our earnings. It opens up at 144.77. And I use a, an intraday chart to time entries going either way on these sorts of things. So I could have gone long if it was working out that way. But on, the, on my five-minute chart, which I have a configuration I refer to as 620, uh, it gave me a sell signal early in the day, pretty much right at the opening. And boom, that thing opens at 144.77 and it closes at 129.18. Why does it give you a sell signal? I'm just trying to figure that out. Because here's a stock well, gapping up 14 points and you're saying right. it gave you a sell signal. I'm trying. I, I, on this, the five-minute chart. I'm using a five-minute chart to time this. And I, okay. I have a, a MACD and a moving, an exponential moving average configuration that I've worked out over the years. And it gives me pretty reliable signals. I mean, if the signal fails, it fails, and I just reverse out of it. And sometimes that will happen, or something will show me a short signal early in the day, and then it could be within a few minutes to a few hours, it will reverse that signal and become a long signal. A good example of that would have been DocuSign last uh, Friday, where that one actually opened up on uh, Friday, and that's actually uh, uh, three days ago, three trading days ago. Is that Friday? Am I looking at that right, or is that Monday? Yeah, three days ago. We've seen it on the show. What's today? Today's Wednesday. Yeah, okay. So on Monday, it it, uh, it gaps up. It opens at 74.94. Yeah, Friday's and, uh, action, yeah. Yeah, and you get a uh, – uh, yeah, that's right, because we don't have today's bar in there. So that would be Friday. So you get a – immediately, I got a sell signal on that. So it opens at 74.94, and then it plummets down to 71.06, hits a 10-day line. At that point, I get a buy signal on my 620 chart. And you turn and go long, and it ends up closing right back up just above where it opened. Wait, you know, I'm, sorry, so, I'm sorry, Gil. Uh, what stock is this? DocuSign, DOCU. Okay, I yeah. misheard you. So you see how that – I don't know if you guys – are you showing the opening and uh, closing ticks on that? I, yeah, am, now, I am now. Okay, yeah. So you, you can see what I'm talking about there. And so you can just get this big volatility. And I find using this chart on an intraday basis, I can do much better than I can – trying to position trade these things. Because if you bought that breakout, you're probably underwater now. And most breakouts in this market don't work. In fact, almost all of them, and the ones that do work, if you're lucky, you'll get a, a 15, 20% move, and then they'll come back in. Yeah, so, it sounds yeah. like you're doing a lot of short-term earnings, you know, type reversal trades. Right, exactly. I'm taking advantage of the volatility. Yeah. And, so, you, so that's where you're focusing right now is maybe on these earnings plays and looking for a little reversal. You're not only taking advantage of that, though, because one thing I would say, and, you know, we, we don't talk about this all the time, but it, you have a lot of fundamental players that are going to be playing on a day after, after the, right after it reported, where, right. you know, on, on other days you might have technical trade, you might have high-frequency traders. There's a lot of fundamental traders, a lot of big fish. So if you can identify when you know this is going to all of a sudden move and the big fish are going the other direction. Those big fish, one big fish, could drive the thing up 5%, you know, if they decide all of a sudden they right. start to fight this. 
Right, so you're, you're, you're trading against the you know the right people really when you're identifying the big fish. Right, and I'm actually trying to move with them. So I mean, yeah, you know, and sometimes you'll get a stock like Arrowhead Pharmaceuticals, which has been a great long. It had a viable gap up two weeks ago on the 25th of November, and it pulled into the 10-day, and it has trended higher. So that's a situation where it's less of a, a day trading situation and something that's trending. But for all I know, you know, you're going to get uh, 30, 40 percent out of this because it's up. It's up about forty uh, percent from that initial breakout at the fifty level two weeks ago, and that may be it. You know, if I can catch some of these, these are also uh, pretty good, and they'll tend to be high velocity moves, and then they end. So, you know, it's just that kind of a market. It's just a very weird market. And I've done this for twenty eight years now, running on twenty nine, and I've never seen seen anything this strange. You know, meanwhile, you know, I'm told we have a booming economy, but I don't see it in the data, and I know in California here it looks like it's booming because they're building houses wherever they can. And in fact, in, down the street for me, there was a tiny little lot, which I thought might be a small lot for one house and they built three houses on it and they're selling them for 2 million each, you know? So there's this weird sort of boom in, in some areas. And uh, meanwhile, the economic data is uh, very tepid. And meanwhile, the fed has to keep rates at one and a half to one and one and three quarters percent. So there's so many paradoxes out there, not just in the market, but in the economy, uh, and I think some of the boom bust stuff that you see in the economy is because certain areas are seeing immigration or migration into those uh, areas and other areas are seeing migration out. Like California is seeing migration out, but we're still pretty much a booming area in Silicon Valley. And down here in L.A., we've got a lot of tech companies moving in, like Google has moved in down here in a new development called Playa Vista. So it's it's just a very weird, weird time. But also, you know, not just weird, but fascinating to watch and to study and even to trade, although I would prefer to go back to the 90s, frankly. <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts here on the Fed today? We're going to get another decision. Is this going to be you know, a non-event here where we kind of, you know, 97% say we're not doing anything with rates here. Is this a non-event today? Uh, well, that would seem to be the conventional wisdom, right? Uh, I think they're not going to do anything. They're going to give us the usual language. But Powell has been saying that it would take a sharp economic downturn. Uh, in order for them to come in and start lowering rates again. But that's what they say. But in the meantime, there's this sort of stealth QE4 that they've been implementing to handle this uh, overnight repo market issue that they've been having, which maybe I don't know if you guys have talked about that at all. But to me, that's QE4. Their balance sheet is expanding and has been doing so for the last several months. So well, those view, are well, those are overnight loans, though, are they not? I mean, that's they are. But why why are you having such a huge dislocation where overnight rates are getting driven above ten percent, and there isn't enough liquidity to handle the overnight, uh, you know, repos that are going on? So you know, what what is up with that? But you don't know for sure. You know, is that an issue? Does it tell you there's a tear somewhere in the fabric of the financial system, and eventually that tear will open, split wide open, kind of like the mortgage crisis in two thousand eight. Are there a lot of little tears in the fabric of the financial uh, system ready to tear? You know, I, I, uh, debt on a uh, national, uh, individual, and global level is just in corporate level is at all-time records. You know, how much further can it go? The government's running $1.3 trillion trailing 12 deficits. You know, I remember the 90s. To me, the 90s were a boom time because not only could you see it, but you could see it in the data. You know, you walked around, people were prospering. And uh, you could see it in the data. We had plus 5% uh, GDP growth. The government actually on a cash basis was bringing in, in enough tax revenues to balance the budget by the end of the decade. Now what are we doing? We're just running bigger and bigger deficits. And all this uh, tepid 1.9, 2%, 2.1 
GDP growth as the government measures it, which in my view is overstated because they understate inflation. Um, you know, all of that is just is being fluffed up by government spending, huge record government spending. And I'm not sure, you know, where what where the boom is, you know, overall. I know if I, like if I go to Nashville, you can see a place like Nashville is booming. But, you know, 10 years ago, Nashville was kind of quiet. Now the place is nuts and they have traffic now, <laughs> which which surprised me when I was on the freeway there not too long ago. Uh, Gail, before I let you go, any just final thoughts for the next few weeks, a few months as to like who could lead this market and we're at all time highs here, obviously, or where you see this market going just in, in the short to intermediate term here? Well, I think the problem with the market primarily is very news oriented. So I think if, if we go through this December 15th tariff deadline and they delay those, and I think you're going to rally into year end. And stocks I like would be something like, I, I look at uh, Advanced Micro, I think looks pretty good. It's running nice and tight. I like Tesla. Tesla's been acting well. I think it's a little extended here. It was Bible along the 20-day line uh, last week, and that was something I talked about in my reports. Um, I like some of these IPOs like Ping and Datadog, DDOG. Um, and I'd also keep an eye on uh, Disney. It's pulling in here. But I've been, you know, I, I ponder this one. And if Disney is now going to move in, in force into the streaming entertainment area and it's going to become another Netflix, which I think they have the potential to do, why can't it have a valuation like Netflix? Either Netflix comes down to Disney's valuation or Disney's got some upside from here. And I like to pull back down in here to the 20-day line. Well, that, that was my exact argument I was giving on Netflix and Disney a couple, a couple months I, ago. I didn't, I didn't hear that. And then that, Netflix uh, ran up on me 10%. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a possibility. And technically, it's in a position where you could post an undercut and rally move. And, and you actually did at the 20-day yesterday. So it is in a viable position. There's using, I would just use the low of yesterday as my selling guide. And that's a trade. And I think you might you know, see it pop to the highs if we see the market rally into year end, which I think likely, and I'm going to say likely, because with this market, you never know anything for sure because it's so crazy, um, if we get this tariff uh, thing uh, delayed. so. All right. Gil Morales is the author of the Gilmo Report. You can find him on Twitter at Gilmo Report, G-I-L-M-O Report. Gil, thank you so much for the time today, and have a good rest of your year. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks, Talk to you soon, Gil. Uh, S&P's uh, just a creeper rally here, folks. We are up now five handles at 31.41. Pre-market high, 43.50. That fits well with yesterday's high at uh, 31.43. So, boom, above that pre-market high, it opens it up to uh, Friday and Monday's high. It was split them at uh, 31.51 and 31.49.50. There's your next target on the upside for your bulls. If the fact, you can take out and clear that pre-market high. Uh, Triple D, you see, see anything uh, extraordinary out there? Anything? Um, Imbalances anything? are big. Uh, some really big ones here this morning, and I'm not sure why, but big to the sell side on a few of these. Like, and obviously, some one or two things going to happen. Some of these sell imbalances are going to flip the buy imbalances, or you know, they're or they're just gonna go, or the market's going to come back in because wow, there are some big sell imbalances this morning. HPQ three hundred twenty-four thousand to sell. Bank America three hundred twenty-eight thousand to sell. Like, it made me check twice that this wasn't, like, option expiration or something. Like, I'm getting my Fridays mixed up because these are, like, imbalances that you see on, like, a significant day. Maybe it's Fed Day. AT&T, 202000 to sell. ExxonMobil, 137000 to sell. Chevron, 57000 to sell. Chevron did have some news last night. They were taking a write-down, so there is news on that one. CVX, 
Kroger, 52,000 to sell. I mean, it's through random sectors. It's just all over the place. Wells Fargo, 54,000 to sell. A few buy balances too. McDonald's, 53,000 to buy. Also, Bristol-Myers, 105,000 to buy. That's significant as well. Man, BMY has been hot. General Electric, always, you know, true to form. 277,000 to sell in General Electric. House of Mouse Disney, 56,000 to buy. So that one's going in the opposite direction. But they're fairly large. Imbalances could have a big impact on the open here. All right. There's a few buy balances too, though. So maybe a little selective perception on my part to say they're all sells. There's some really big sells, but there's a few big buy ones too. So you know, maybe I, I take back because I see right. Visa with 42000 to sell too. That's $182 stocks. So that's significant to the upside. So maybe I'll take back with just saying that they're all sell. I just think they're big. There's big numbers here today. So your individual stock stories are going to be impacted by some of these imbalances this morning. All right, let's, let's get to uh, Ollie's uh, bargain outlet here. <laughs> okay. So they had earnings. I guess it was a bargain yesterday. Yeah, earnings after the close uh, yesterday. They were good. EPS beat, sales beat. They reaffirmed their guidance. They also named a new CEO. We didn't discuss this, but uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend, their, their uh, CEO, who's also the co-founder, uh, died suddenly. Uh, oh. Yeah, Mark Butler. So they Whoa. named a new CEO. This guy's been with the company uh, prior and uh, so his name is John Swigart, and so he's the new president and CEO, and so that that's official now. And he was the interim for the past few weeks, and earnings are good. Stocks up five bucks here. It was up a little bit more. I will just say where you stalled out last night gets close to coinciding with the highs of the move back on November fifth. We got up to sixty-seven eighty-three. If we go to the after-hours chart from last night. I guess we were slightly I higher got than through that. It, yeah, a little yeah. bit through it, but not for very long. Yeah, sixty nine fifty seven uh, is where you spike to. So, good news is it's up six bucks and ten cents. The bad news is you're three bucks off the high. Big destruction after the last report, and your I think your high of the rebound has been sixty seven eighty four. So I'll use that. I'll use 67.84. You know, if you want this thing to go back up, it goes there. It holds 68. It takes the pre-market high out or after hours high, excuse me. And then you got a lot of air in this thing to 76.42. That would be a gap fill from August 29th. Don't think we're going to see that today. Also, I'm sure there are a lot of shorter term players would be like, give me 70 bucks today. I want out at 70. That's my target, so just a psychological level there. But backed off the pre-market high for now, O-L-L-I. All right, that's pretty much it for the earnings. If there are a couple more, if you'd like us to cover them, drop them in the chat. But uh, let's go over to some ratings here. Still sure. still quiet, uh, not super busy this morning on the ratings. I didn't see anything. What did you there, see? There are a couple of things that call There's my a couple. Body. Yeah, um, audit, well, no, that was earnings call here. So Morgan Stanley upgrading Rockwell Automation and WW Granger uh, to neutral from underweight. Uh, so they're throwing in the towel on the bear train right now for ROK and GWW. As far as downgrades are concerned, Wells Fargo downgraded Walgreens to neutral. Uh, also Cigna to underweight and EHC to underweight. And what else did I see here? Actually, that's kind of it. What do you see, Dennis? No, they got the bulk of them. I mean, there's uh, they, there was no real huge names from the ratings parade here this morning. And we and, and like I've said before, 
The big days for ratings are Mondays and Tuesdays. The analysts maybe over the weekend are getting their notes out. They get the Monday out. And then it seems like Tuesday is always a huge day because maybe, you know, they're just finalizing, come back and work on a finalize that Monday note that I was putting together and get it out there for Tuesday. Those are the big ratings day. Wednesday starts to slow down and then you almost get nothing on a Friday. So, cause obviously unless they're taking the early weekend there. So I would say if you're looking just from ratings, usually Mondays and Tuesdays are the biggest days. We start to slow down here. Now you got a fed announcement. Maybe people are you know, waiting to see what happens with the fed too, even on their individual stock stories, because you know, if all of a sudden you get a big move, you're, you know, and stocks start moving two, three percent, not that they're going to do that, but I, I think there's always caution, you know, to just throw out a big note before a fed meeting, even if you're not even, you know, analyzing a bank. Uh, we're going to do some of these uh, symbols here in the chat. One, Pablo Posada is asking about Square. We're going to do those. Um, On, with Sean? Yeah, we're going to do some of those with Sean. And uh, let's see here. I had a couple Oper other stocks just, you know, buybacks are sneaking in here again, too. And we, we don't mention them a lot, but, you know, we should. CMI with a big buyback last night. Also, I don't follow Landstar Systems, but it's also announced a big buyback last night too. LSTR. Um, give, give me the CMI because it's a more widely traded stock. Cummins, Spencer, and it announced a buyback last night. Big. I was, I was also going to pull up AT&T here. Uh, they they entered into an accelerated four billion buyback program with the goal of retiring 100 million shares in the first quarter. Of was that a new buyback announced or was that well, just they're, they're giving details on? They're speeding it up. They're speeding I, I, it up. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not it's up nothing. And it's also, if I look this morning, AT&T has a 203,000 selling balance. So it looks like it could even open in the red. Right. So, and, and sorry, what was the other one uh, next year? Is that what you said? Uh, LSTR was one. Right. And then I want to look at CMI. Specifically, okay, right. I want to look so, at CMI. So CMI reported a $2 billion buyback last night. LSTR... Uh, is going to buy back 3 million shares. That's big too. And a special dividend for LSTR as well. So both those stocks probably going to trade higher. CMI was bid up a, a buck and a half there last night. So we'll see what happens here today. Um, anything striking your fancy on the technicals on any of those, Joel? No, not uh, the CMI. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's moving towards its all time high. I mean, no, not quite all time high. Uh, just the only thing I'm looking at here for uh, for CMI, if you're looking for some follow through, um, last month's high not too long ago, 186.73. We're seven bucks away from that. Uh, on the dailies, just quiet ranges the last couple days in this thing, 181, 182, nothing special. I guess on the downside here, I'd I'd look for some some downside. 179 splits the lows from yesterday and the previous day so really matching you know uh not quite an inside day but almost matching ranges there so be a little bit of patient above this one breaks above 180.130 maybe look for this 182.19 if for some reason we can't hold 179 area uh your next daily low comes in at 177.60 i guess we're moving into the next hour Right, so I was, I was going to wrap up our first hour here. We're saving all the questions from the chat for this next hour uh, with Sean. But if you want to catch uh, the main part of our show, I'm going to stop the recording here in a moment. So if you want to catch this part of our show again, you can do so on our podcast. It'll be available wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, etc., or just rewatch our show on YouTube. Still working on that fix for the premarket.benzinga.com page, or we're aware that that uh, has been not been working for the last couple of days, but are the developers are on it show is always available on youtube though so youtube.com slash benzinga tv 
uh, to catch the show. I mentioned off the top, Dennis, I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail for us to potentially play on the show, you can do that now. I'll give you the number again, 734-494-0246. That's a Google voice number. Just give us a call, give your name, ask a question, and maybe we'll play it on the air and discuss your question in that way. So something else besides the chat. Uh, as a way to engage uh, with us. I want to thank our guest today, Gil Morales. Uh, thanks to all of you in our chats. Please remember all the information on our show meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. And on that note, everyone have a great rest of your day. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.